to the UTG at Work podcast. I'm Deacon Mike Houghton. I'm the executive director of an apostolate called UTG at Work. Our mission is to help women and men joyfully live their faith and witness to Christ and the gospel in the workplace. I'm happy to be with you as we explore the Sunday gospel in ways that help people who work. This weekend we celebrate the 20th Sunday in Ordinary Time, and our gospel is a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman of that district came out and called, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not say a word in answer to her. Jesus' disciples came and asked him, Send her away, for she keeps calling out after us. He said in reply, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the woman came and did Jesus' homage, saying, Lord, help me. He said in reply, It is not right to take the food for the children and throw it to the dogs. She said, Please, Lord, even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. Then Jesus said to her in reply, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And the woman's daughter was healed from that hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This Gospel passage is a strange one, isn't it? To be honest, it's it's tough to explain. Jesus came across as being rude to the Canaanite woman, at least initially, and he doesn't immediately offer to help her daughter. People have made some pretty wild claims about what's going on here. They'll say that the woman taught Jesus a lesson, or that Jesus took a while before he could figure out what was going on. This is, by the way, hogwash. It's nothing more than an attempt to make Jesus less than what he is, which is God. But then again, we live in a society where wild claims and conspiracy theories and sensationalism are becoming the norm. Can you imagine if Jesus were walking the earth today? The media would have a field day with him. Whenever someone speaks the truth today, most especially the hard truths, people will line up to try to take them down. I find our world's desire to deny truth to be both baffling and frustrating. But that's not for today's podcast. So let's just take a deep breath and break this one down a bit. First, who were the Canaanites, and why didn't they get along with the Jews? The Canaanites were descendants of Ham, one of the sons of Noah. As you may have guessed, they lived in the land of Canaan, which is the territory that the Lord promised to Abraham and his descendants. When the people of Israel invaded the Promised Land under the leadership of Joshua, they drove out some of the Canaanites, but not all of them. Some of them continued to live in the region called Tyre and Sidon, where today's gospel takes place. Due to their history alone, the Canaanites and the Jews didn't like one another. But even beyond their past battles, the Jews considered the Canaanites to be idol worshippers who practiced human sacrifice and deviant sexual activity. So suffice to say that there was no love lost between the two groups. Now, early in Jesus' ministry, it's clear that he was focused on saving his brother and sister Jews, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, as he calls them. This was his primary mission, if you will. But it's equally clear that his life, passion, death, and resurrection were for all people, not just the Jews. After all, at his ascension, he told his followers to go and make disciples of all nations, not just the Israelites. Jesus' three-year ministry, just like all of salvation history, developed over time. It's not that he didn't understand the entire plan from the beginning. He did. Rather, he knew that he had to allow his followers to walk before they ran, so to speak, and so he followed a plan that reached its crescendo during the last days of his time on earth. And so, when this Canaanite woman came to him, she wasn't a part of his plan. She was not only a Gentile, 
but also an enemy of the primary market that Jesus was after. Was he rude to her? Well, perhaps he was. Some people believe that he was testing her faith, making sure that she was serious about believing in him before he did what she asked. From the very beginning of her encounter with Jesus, she called him Lord, Son of David, and she continued to refer to him as Lord throughout their conversation. But did she truly believe, or was this just a trick to get him to help her daughter? The bottom line is that we don't know why Jesus reacted the way he did. He's God, and God acts in ways that we can't always understand this side of the veil. But I want to focus my comments on the Canaanite woman. There's something important to be learned here that we could easily miss. We can imagine that she was raised in a culture that taught her to hate the Israelites. They were the people who invaded their land and took it from them. They were the enemy. To put it in today's vernacular, she was indoctrinated by her culture to believe something about another group of people, the Israelites. All of the people around her hated the Jews, and she was expected to do the same. What did she know about Jesus? We don't know. But it's fair to guess that the whole idea of a Messiah who was coming to save the Israelites was something that she was probably never taught. Why would someone take time to learn the details about the hopes and dreams of their enemy? And yet, she had faith in Jesus. She believed enough to call him Lord several times, to refer to him as a son of David, and to pay him homage. She believed enough to keep asking despite being rebuked by him. And eventually Jesus rewarded her great faith. What's so ironic about this story is what happened just prior to it. At the start of Matthew chapter 15, we're told of a confrontational discussion between Jesus and the Pharisees and scribes. These men were the religious leaders of the very people that Jesus was most focused on saving, but they rejected him. And then as we continue on in Matthew chapter 15, he goes to a Gentile town and finds, of all things, a Canaanite who believes in him. I can only imagine that if I were in Jesus' sandals, I would have been pretty upset by that string of events. The people he wanted to initially save were rejecting him, but he found faith among the people who would have been thought to be his natural enemies. Maybe that's why he reacted the way that he did. Maybe he was just frustrated. But let's get back to our time, to our world of 2023. What's the lesson that we can take away from today's gospel? Let me start by asking you a question to ponder. Are there any Canaanites in your workplace? Of course, I don't mean that literally. What I mean is, are there any people in your workplace who you may have never thought to be people of faith, but who in fact are people of faith? My suspicion is that you have no idea. How would you know? So many of us go about our days keeping our faith a secret at work, unwilling or perhaps afraid to share it with others. We often see others at work as people who have been indoctrinated to hate us as Catholics and Christians. Or perhaps to say it more accurately, we think of them as people who have been taught to embrace things that we as Catholics and Christians know are against God's will. We think of them as people who have bought into the lies of the popular media, people who have no interest whatsoever in Jesus Christ or his message of salvation. We may not think of them as the enemy, and I most certainly hope that we don't see them that way. We need to live in peace and work cooperatively with people of all faiths and all beliefs but we sometimes do think of them as people who would never understand or appreciate our love for the Lord. And sometimes this can be wrong. Just as there were people in the land of Tyre and Sidon who had faith in Jesus Christ, so too there are people in your workplace who you may never expect to have faith in Jesus, but actually do. Or if not faith in Jesus, at least enough curiosity to be brought to faith in him. God has planted on our hearts a permanent and unalterable need for his love. 
We don't need to be taught about it, and no amount of indoctrination or training can change it. St. Augustine said it best, quote, You have made us and drawn us to yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you, end quote. The Canaanites in your workplace have restless hearts, and there's nothing that the world or the company can offer them that will give them peace. The peace that they desire comes only from knowing and loving God. And you may very well be the only connection to God that they know. If you want to read more on this point, you can visit our website at utgatwork.org and look up the article called The Rise of the Nuns. Now you may be thinking, that's fine. There may be Canaanites in my workplace, but how will I ever get to know them? They probably won't come up to me like the Canaanite woman in today's gospel came up to Jesus. So, allow me to share a story with you that I heard from a man about his experience along these lines. It's not a story that will blow your socks off, but it does get the point across. Here in the Archdiocese of Detroit, we offer a number of special Masses for people in specific occupations. We have a Red Mass for lawyers and judges, which, by the way, will take place on September 12th at noon at St. Peter and Paul in Detroit. We have a Mass for Commerce, which is open for all people who work. This will take place on October 25th at 8 a.m. at Sacred Heart Major Seminary. And we have a Blue Mass, which is offered for police officers. This Mass is offered in May. Prior to the Blue Mass this year, a police officer that I know spoke to his supervisor about he and a few others attending the Mass. His supervisor approved, even though the Mass was in the day and during work hours. An admin in the office overheard the conversation, and she was offended that the request was approved. She was either an atheist, that is, someone who believes that there is no God, or an agnostic, someone who neither believes in God nor disbelieves, but remains neutral on the subject. She spoke to the supervisor and expressed her dissatisfaction that he allowed these officers to go to the Blue Mass during work hours. The supervisor told her that he appreciated her concerns, but that he stood by his decision. The police officer that I know got wind of this and decided to speak to her about it. She told him that, as one who does not believe, she didn't appreciate others who do believe taking time away from work to go to the Mass. He acknowledged her concerns, but then proceeded to explain why it was important for them to go. He explained to her that, as police officers, they see some terrible things. They see people who die of overdoses, murder victims, suicide victims, abused children, and the list goes on. The things that they see haunt them, and they need an outlet to deal with it. He explained to her that he can't go home and unload all of this baggage on his wife every night. That would ruin their marriage. But he can unload it in prayer to Jesus Christ, who he believes is the Son of God. For many officers, he went on, their faith is the best tool that they've got for dealing with the exposure that they get to the dark side of humanity. The exchange was courteous, and they both moved on. But the next day, the woman came to him and said, I prayed for you last night. I don't know if there is a God or not, but I prayed that if he is real, he needs to protect you and the other officers so that you're safe and that you find ways to deal with your problems. He thanked her for her prayers and continued on with his day. Now, I may be stretching the analogy just a bit, but she was a Canaanite in his workplace. She was brought to prayer because he was willing to unleash the gospel at work, even if in a very small way. You, my friends, are called to be there for the Canaanites in your workplace. You may not know them, but they're out there. They'll surely notice if you pray before your meals at work, if you display religious items in your office or cubicle, or if you simply behave in ways that a Christian should. You may be the only connection to the faith that they know. They need you to live your faith at work. They need you to represent the views of the faithful at work. And perhaps, someday, they may even need you to evangelize them. 
May the Lord grant you the strength to boldly live your faith in the workplace in the week ahead, and for as many weeks as you have, until you someday meet Jesus face to face. Thanks for joining me for this week's UTG at Work podcast. I look forward to meeting again next week. In the meantime, I encourage you to boldly live your faith in the workplace in the week ahead. I'll pray for your success, and I ask that you pray for the success of this UTG at Work apostolate. If you want to learn more about us, please visit utgatwork.org. Now go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life.